Hey there, listener. Fancy seeing you here. Look, sometimes due to the things we discuss on the pod, it might contain potentially triggering content. But the good news is you can always review the episode description for a full list of the warnings applicable to this episode. Oh, and just so you know, this episode is rated R for really filthy. It includes adult themes and explicit content. So if you're an adult, buckle up, gird your loins, and prepare to flood the basement. Because we are going down with these ships. Welcome back to Care of Magical Shippers. It's a Harry Potter ship culture podcast. I'm Nathan. (laughs) I'm Max. I don't know why with you saying like podcast makes me like, let's get ready to podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Which is really appropriate. Okay, okay, okay. So if we're going to have a bunch of sports puns, if we're going to do anything like that it's gonna be this episode because what are we doing nathan oh i don't know do you want to tell the listeners i'm too excited i don't know that i could get it out i don't know we're both stupid excited so we're gonna be doing oliver wood and marcus flint aka flintwood and it is probably what like i i can't remember if you read it first or second after the good evening oh it, Prime no Minister. it was it was second because i did second. good evening so, prime minister first Yeah, Yeah, so that was the first rare pair, and then this was part two of sealing Nathan and my my friendship. (laughs) So here we are, and we've only been talking about, like, when are we going to do a Flintwood episode, like, since we started the damn podcast. So we finally reached the point where both of us have been on and off, sick, work, life, everything has Mm -hmm. just kind of been not great. I mean... Yes, like, but so we were like, what do we know if we were to sit down and start talking and have the best time? It would be Flintwood. So here yeah. we are. We're doing Flintwood. <laughs> so we came back with a bang and we are really excited to be talking about this because it's a canon ship. I mean, it it's <laughs> the most canon ship we've ever discussed. It's my OTP. I should have had a jingle prepared for like OTP alarm. But like it is really it's it's my it is my quite possibly my favorite ship. I mean some of the the ships we've covered mm-hmm. have been absolute fire and I've loved them, but mm-hmm. I have loved this ship ever since the day I had the pleasure of reading your fic, mm-hmm. which if you haven't read Destroy Me Go and do that right now because it's an incredible. And Nathan recorded a pod fic, so there's also the pod fic version too. So if you want to read it, you can. If you want to listen to it, you can. It's it's there. Yeah, it's amazing. If you want to hear the the moment that fomented our friendship, it happened yes. after having listened to the recording of Destroy Me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's. especially because he kept sending me little short clips of him making mistakes like recording yeah the the blooper reel yeah (laughs) which i still have on my phone 
<laughs> I can pull up and listen to at any time. So Nathan, with your permission, I'll probably put a couple in this yeah, you episode can, just yeah, for you funsies. Can, because... Yeah, you can do that. That's a thing. You like, of course the listeners. That's the quality content the the listeners want. They they, they don't want us to talk about these characters. They want to hear no. me fumbling. Clutching clean sweep fives. That's what Look the listeners want. Look at you want. go. Look at you go. Now, now you, you can. I'm a master at delivering that line now. But listeners, let me tell you. When I was oh. recording the original pod fic for that fic, it's a line that J.K. Rowling herself wrote because you because you took part of the original text. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was this moment where Fred and George were holding their broomsticks <laughs> and the line is clutching clean sweep fives and I just could not for the life of me and the harder I worked to try to get those words out the less <laughs> w- words emerged from my mouth so Megs will <laughs> Megs will probably at the end of the episode or somewhere surprising <laughs> insert my my fumbling um, because that's what you came here to listen to, right? Not, yeah. not probably, dis- yeah, probably uh, right now. So have fun listening to it right now because yeah. I have no chill and no patience. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was so good. Destroy me, an adult Harry Potter fan fiction by Harry Met Sally. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> He smiled nastily at Fred and George, who were both clutching Queen's Quimp Clickland. <laughs> that is really hard to say. Clutching Queen Club. <laughs> it's hard enough to work under these conditions. Clutching Clean Sweep Fives. Why is this so difficult? Clutching, 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 clean sweep, fives. You can do it, Nathan. Okay, welcome back. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 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 Woo. Woo. Anyway, so, so needless to say, we love Flintwood. And yeah, I would say like back then, I mean, I still really love, like I, I really love Drary. I really love Snary, but I, I feel like, Flintwood would be, I would be as excited about Flintwood as Dreary if there was as much content. Like, I love Flintwood, like, but yeah. I probably, I think I've read all of it. Okay. <laughs> I think I've read all of it. So it's like, I want to, like, keep, you know, getting more of it, which is really exciting because right now, I think we're still in the, the realm of the two-month period that Would You Rather Challenge is going on, which is an okay. Oliver Wood-centered writing and creating challenge. So I think it's like, would like with dashes in between, Would You Rather Challenge at Tumblr that has all the, it has prompt cards, it's got music prompts, visual prompts, text prompts, quotes, you name it. Every week or two weeks gets a new prompt card and you can make Uh as little or as much as you want as long as it's centered around Oliver Wood so I'm sure that some more Flintwood stuff will be made and hopefully I take advantage of that as well and make some new stuff because it needs it but I I love this pair I love I look at it and I see like we think we think of Drary right 
And we have yeah. Draco and Harry, and they're like, okay, they're rivals, obviously, in Quidditch, like, to an extent, because Draco's all mad and sad that Harry got to play Quidditch and first year, and then his dad buys him on the team. And so as far as, like, skill-wise, we never can really look at them as being like completely matched in that regard it's just like oh, okay it's harry versus draco because they're both seekers but we don't know sure. for a fact whether draco is at the same talent level as harry is whereas it's like well even well like hermione comments on it she goes yeah. well, at least no one on the gryffindor team had to buy their way in right exactly and so, but you, but you can tell, like, even though he plays dirty, you know that Marcus Flint is good. Like, by the way that he, like, he's always scoring. Yeah, he is. It. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's always scoring. <laughs> he just, he knows what to do with those balls. Just putting it out there straight away. Yeah, and what, and what a hoop stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he aims right for those rings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, this, listeners, I need to inform oh. you that I am in a funny mood today. You'll be getting a lot <laughs> of this from me because, you know, with the imminent advent of World War Three and everything, I've been overcompensating by throwing myself into the funny end of the spectrum. So, mm -hmm. there'll be a lot of punnage and just an attempt to leave the world behind today because mm -hmm. <laughs> I need, I need... <laughs> I think all of our mental health needs a little distraction once in a while, so... Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what better way to distract it than by coming face-to-face -face with balls and rings? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and clashing Quidditch muscles and all the... <laughs> Wood, <laughs> the strike of wood against flint. That yes. slapping sound of... <laughs> <laughs> and that's something that I love. Okay, so number one reason that we know that Flintwood is canon is the fact that J.K. Rowling herself named Marcus Flint and Oliver Wood. And what happens when you put flint with wood? You make fire. So Correct. It's... <laughs> Correct. Exactly. <laughs> I mean... Like, she might have think, like, oh, yeah, conflict, whatever. It's like, um, duh, sexual conflict and romantic conflict. Like, obviously, yeah. that's the fire that was meant behind the deeds. Literal tinder being sparked. Yes, absolutely. Couldn't agree mm -hmm. with you more. It's right there. And it's even right there baked into the film. I mean, that mm -hmm. eyebrow raise that mm -hmm. Oliver does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love... I, I love these boys. I love these... I love these boys so much and what i love most about them is that they're both <laughs> when i think of okay so what my head canons for oliver which of course we get from the book sometimes he's written to be like i don't know like kind of like level-headed like in in some stories flint is trying to provoke him but oliver doesn't let him like he's like oh one day i'll get you know oliver to you know, to like break or whatever. I'm like, you don't have to break Oliver. Oliver is just is an open can. You just have to poke it and it's like he's just he's yeah. he's ready to blow when it comes to Marcus Flint. Excuse like, me. Excuse <laughs> me. Oh right, you went there already. Like... I'm just saying. No, I'm just saying. 
thing as far as like anger, frustration. Like he's not going to hold back emotion. Uh-huh. You know? like, of course, that's what you were saying. No, okay. but I, and it's all <laughs> things, all things. But I just when 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 he's written as someone who like has a cool head, I'm like. Oliver is the last person on the face of the earth I picture with a cool head ever. Like, well, he just... yeah. <laughs> yeah. We know that he's really passionate about Quidditch. He's in- mm-hmm. like, obsessed. He reaches mm-hmm. obsessional levels of um, sport fixation. And possibly one of the reasons he's so infatuated with the sport is that he gets to spend a lot mm-hmm. of time flying around certain people. Which mm-hmm. which he may or may not also be obsessed by. This is my mm-hmm. headcanon for this. Because, sorry, you were going to say something? No, no, no. I was just thinking because like, cause something we had talked about before even starting recording was the fact that how the original text had, quote unquote, mixed up what year. You know, JK had mixed up what year mm-hmm. Flint was in. Like the first book, he was introduced as a sixth year, but he was in the Quidditch final in the third book. So then he would have been... A seventh year twice so then it was stated oh he's so dumb he had to retake seventh year which to be fair if you're gonna pick a character to make that work marcus flint okay we can like you know he's described as having troll blood in him you know be that because he's dumb or be that the way he looks but but also it's like okay it was a mixed but also that was <laughs> But also, that was Harry's description of him, and we know mm-hmm. how biased Harry is, especially in terms right. of like he's so judgmental. Um, and the only and reason Harry was like stunted, not well, not well fed. So obviously, he had to have been like three, you know, really short. And then I'm sure that you know, even a fifth year, like boy, could or sixth year or whatever, could be really tall like even just like he's so tall but he, yeah you know. <laughs> i i take it to mean that he was like inordinately muscly but yeah. harry had to interpret this as just him being trollish um right and so we get this description of flint being trollish in from harry's point of view mm-hmm. but i don't see this might be too personal of a revelation and i may ask you <laughs> I may ask you to cut this at a subsequent point. However, mm-hmm. that to me, one of the things that um, interests me about the character of Marcus Flint is that he's set up to be the the quintessential bully, the mm-hmm. the, the the sort of the the jock character who gets his way by being rough and mm-hmm. you know whatever. And there is a certain element of when I was at school, I was bullied. And as much as you hate your bullies, there's also a part of you that in the act of being bullied sees a kind of attractiveness looking back at it as an adult. Mm. Like mm-hmm. you're like, okay, I thought I hated them, but I was actually there was there was more there. And I <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. like uh, mm-hmm. and I maybe see that, you know, had I been in Harry's position aged what, 11? He 11. was 11 at that yeah. point. I mm-hmm. may have described Flint as trollish too, but mm-hmm. here we are. I'm 32 yeah. years old and uh, <laughs> opinions <laughs> opinions change. Okay, yes. and before you all write to me angrily, I know that Flint is a character. I'm not, you know, <laughs> I'm not in any way asserting that this is real life. Uh, mm-hmm. I am not... I'm not that far gone yet, but mm-hmm. I do. But I do think there is definitely an element of what do we call it? Predisposed prejudice in Harry at this point. Oh, where, for sure. 
where he, Flint is just basically muscly, but then they in the films they give Flint these fake teeth to wear, presumably because mm-hmm. of the description of him being trollish mm-hmm. in the books. Because obviously, you know, evil villainous characters need to have some sort of evilly villainous appearance. But right. I, but I don't know. I still think. That there's something in the way he Flint delivers that line. He has that line in the in the first film, I think it is, where he's like, "Take that side." <laughs> I can hear it. It's on loop in my brain right now. <laughs> I think it was supposed to make him sound just like one-dimensional and evil. And I think mm-hmm. either, it's either like Katie or Angelina does get like trapped and ends up like being really horrifically injured Mm -hmm. like following through on his orders so i can't find it completely lovely what he does right but but i also in in tandem with his um bullying behavior there's also something underneath it that says that it points to a certain element of his character that i still really like obviously Mm -hmm. and uh, and that's also why i like him and wood together because Mm -hmm. Uh, Oliver Wood is a lot more, um, as obsessed as he is with Quidditch, he's a lot more, you know, sort of friendly to his teammates. There's a lot more Mm -hmm. compassion there. Um, And when those two sort of opposing forces get together, there's Mm -hmm. just so much potential. Yes. It makes me and so happy. I, I know. And so and so what I love about with when we started getting start getting into fan fiction with Flintwood, especially if we get when we get to get point of view Marcus, I love that. And the reason I love that is because, well, why do I love Snape? I love Snape because I love reading things from Snape's perspective to give us a reason why he behaves the way he does. And so then like same thing with Marcus, like any of the Slytherins, once you get in their mind, like the pressures he was put under by his parents or like actually being like abused at home or, you know, various reasons why he acts and behaves the way he does. But also mm-hmm. the friendships he does have and the genuine things he builds with his teammates. So seeing him as the Oliver Wood character with his teammates and how good, how well and protective he is of his teammates. And so that's always super fun to actually see that flip side of the coin, not just you know, not the bully. So getting to see someone who's like, you know, it's like that tough exterior, but then has that like creamy caramel center that you're just like, okay, he just needs to like let the vulnerability out, but would never do because he's, you know, got this like thick, thick shell that he just couldn't break through. This thick, muscly shell. Thick, muscly shell. That's where I think a lot of, a lot of Flintwood is post Hogwarts. It's like them coming across each other after school. It's like they realize looking back that the reason they in each other was because they're actually into each other mm-hmm. either they're playing professionally together or against each other professionally or one of them is and they come in contact with each other as long as it's them i really don't care when i just <laughs> i i love so i've loved getting to know fandom marcus you know what i mean like how yeah. that is built and even getting to know the other slytherin quidditch players like i didn't know anything about like Higgs or I mean just names they're literally just names and for people to be able to give personalities and like for these characters that we only literally have names for is always super cool too 
Um, but I just, I, I, when I think of, okay, let's say that either A, they were in the same year together, or B, it would be even more intense the final year if he did repeat classes. The, yeah. I think I've read a story where it's like, you know, Oliver shows up to classes and like, and and flint is there and he's like what the fuck is flint doing here like he should be gone but he's actually retaking classes and of course he has to take classes with oliver now so then it's of course them. he does yes so then it's like he's getting to see him outside of just you know practices but also in the great hall like think of this even if they didn't have classes together even if they didn't see each other on a like on that, you know, level. They still see each other at mealtimes. They're still going to come across each other in the hall. Like there's, and you know that those two are going to be seeking each other out all the time. And when they Absolutely. do see one another, they're going to just be like, imagine the number of of uh, shared uh, detentions those boys yeah. probably have together. I just like, and the whole time they're just like- Deliberate shared detentions. Yeah, exactly. So it's just, yeah. uh, they have found their ways of- you know, like it's just and then there's also the like the fun thing that some people say like, oh, it actually was an instance where they were friends before school and then they were put in different houses. And then, of course, that made right. them take two different directions, even though they had like become friends because they both loved Quidditch and they played together. And then all of a sudden it turned into something else. And oh, I love like, that. I know. So I love that, too. So it's like there's just so like you said, there are so many possibilities when it comes to these two that I just I just, I love it. I love Marcus, either Marcus being written as someone who's like, say more than Harry. Like a lot of times it's written that it's more than Harry that tease him, that he looks like a troll. You know, like we get that from Harry, but in fan fiction or whatever, like people deem him and make fun of, at him, of him as being unattractive, but then he puts on the tough exterior to protect himself from being like, well, I don't care what you think. I can beat you up. Sure. Like what, yeah. what, is it, what does it matter if I can beat you up? Like that doesn't, doesn't yeah. matter what I look like, but it's obviously a very severe insecurity. And so a lot of times where like either later in life when say he does get with Oliver the whole time he's like well Oliver could just leave at any point because I'm not what he deserves to have and of course Oliver's like you dummy like knocking him on the skull like no you're exactly what I want that's why I'm here you know sort of thing so it's definitely you get that um, vulnerability of not feeling good enough because of how he looks because Oliver yeah. could be seen or described as someone as like the attractive jock you know like someone kind of like the Cedric Diggory of being like you know things like that so I just I I love I love getting in his head but just as much I love being in Oliver's head too because it's just it's just a roller coaster in there of just him being just like so so much UST and on edge and easily like like riled up and it's just I so, hope you're listening so to the language fun. Megs is using listeners <laughs> it might like it's not escaping me all of these words like on edge like I, I just like it's there it's baked right in you were doing this deliberately I'm not reading too much into it don't shake your head at me <laughs> It just, hey, it's like, it's, hey, it just, it, it comes out the way it comes out. And that's just <laughs> yeah. So, but yes to all the above, to all the representations of whatever I could say. So I'm just like, I'm here for all of it. But yeah, so I just, I love, I, 
I, I love them. I just love them so much. I want there to be more stuff. Um, so I, I need to, I have a work in progress thing. So hopefully I can get it done and have that posted for Would You Rather because that would be, that'd be great. I mean, it's just a matter of time and getting things done and whatever. But, but I just, I always love I going in and experiencing these two together because I know that it's going to be fun. Like, it's just, it's always fun with these two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot written about them where it's just like the equivalent of a one night stand or a hookup mm -hmm. or whatever it happens to be. But I prefer whenever, well, I suppose I prefer that with any pairing really, but whenever right. there's there's something more behind it. And I think part of the reason you, you see just the fun get togethers is because there's not that much written about them. I mean, what do we know about Wood? He's uh, Scottish and he's a jock mm -hmm. that plays Quidditch and he's passionate about Quidditch and mm -hmm. he goes to play Quidditch after he leaves school. Mm -hmm. So there's that dimension. And then we even we know even less about Flint. So I get why people don't write as much about them because we just mm -hmm. don't have the canon backstory for them. But I think that there's something so interesting about their pairing that goes beyond just their Quidditch muscles banging together <laughs> in, an, <laughs> in a tantalizingly appealing way. And, and mm -hmm. don't get me wrong, I do love to read that as well. Of course I do. But there is there's something about that those two diametrically opposed personalities that are that have to be in opposition when they're playing Quidditch. So they're already naturally adversarial, that there's so much tension between them that that has to build into something else. And mm -hmm. yeah, yes, absolutely, there's the sort of the fiery sexual element. But mm -hmm. I love when it builds into an exploration of you know both of them coming to realize that oh wait there are actual real feelings underneath this as well right um and there is that potential there with them you know in some pairings that we talk about like the crack ships you really do just see it as it's fun and it's great but it can't really be sustained or you know long running whereas mm -hmm. with them because you know you can say well you know there's not much in canon so uh, you know, there isn't that much material there to work from, but that to me is also one of the bigger pluses because mm -hmm. it means that fans can do whatever they want with it and mm -hmm. people really do run with it. But like you say, I wish there was more because I just love the characters so much. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, Marcus to me radiates that sort of, um, <laughs> that sort of, big lad energy of just like of coming from humble beginnings or of of being that sort of tough kid that that tough nut to crack and wood is just so um i see i see wood as being quite wry and shrewd and clever in a in a backseat kind of way and that mm -hmm. sort of coaxing poking energy is perfect when it's paired with Flint because he's just such a, a an unstoppable force mm -hmm. um and and you know no I've got that the wrong way around Flint is the immovable object he's the sort of the the <laughs> the, the big slab of Flint essentially yeah. and Wood is just poking him just continually and eventually mm -hmm. eventually when that breaks um, and like I say, 
there's real emotion behind it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm just so invested. Um, mm-hmm. I'm so invested. And you can say, but Nathan, this is clearly just because, you know, there was, you know, stuff going on in the films. There was the raised eyebrow of wood whenever that, whenever Flint thought he was going to score that goal. I mean, mm-hmm. that gif has been mm-hmm. shared across the internet ad nauseum. And do you know what? <laughs> do you know what? You wouldn't be wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> a lot of my interest has been sparked by what was there in the film. But then mm-hmm. my interest in, in Wolfstar was sparked because of that hug in the Shrieking Shack, which mm-hmm. is which I, I replay in my head over and over at mm-hmm. several moments during the day. <laughs> just um, give just give Nathan his moment to recall that moment. <laughs> yeah. I mean There are moments in the films that don't get elaborated on that have more contained within them Mm -hmm. than we ever get to see. Um, And I, so while my interest may have been piqued by moments like that, I feel like fan fiction then takes it to the next level. And this is where you guys come in. And I am so grateful to all you incredible Flintwood shippers out there that Mm -hmm. do write this stuff because it satisfies a a very deep part of my soul that Mm -hmm. I didn't know needed that balm, needed to be soothed in that way. But every time I read a Flintwood, I never come away feeling shortchanged. I never Mm -hmm. read one and think... Hmm, I could have done more with that or I would have taken it in a different direction. Every single fic I've read that pairs the two of them together, I've enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, I I think I've devoured. I think I've devoured everything. I need to, I, I go through the moods of like picking a character and then being like, okay, who do I like to see them with and like just keep just keep reading and I was in like a Marcus Flint mood and I actually fell into some Marcus Harry and really loved that too. Oh nice. I know. I was like, what? I don't it was it was really good. I mean still Oliver it's that was that's different. Once again it's like different ships have different dynamics and so that was a completely different dynamic from but it made me it made me love Marcus. Like it made me more intrigued by Marcus whereas initially it was like, oh I love Oliver, which I do. I love Oliver. And so even mm-hmm. though I I still have to, I've read a little. I've read a little Percival. And I know that's really popular because you yes. get like the nerd slash jerk. Or jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, probably a jerk, but nerd slash jock <laughs> scenario. So it's like you're, you're getting that versus like jock on jock. Stop it. <laughs> Sorry. I'm still gone. Continue. <laughs> it's okay. So I know that's really popular. I need to read more of it, but it's I think it's because I love the how charged Flintwood is that it's like I I would have to be in a totally different frame of mind thinking of Oliver in a different way than I do how like when I think of his personality, a big part of it is I think of how he reacts to Marcus. So for me to yeah. think that Marcus isn't a piece of the Oliver puzzle is really hard for me some you know to some extent but then when i think of marcus i see marcus being able to needle anyone you know like i feel like marcus could needle Mm. and be that you know with anyone whereas oliver i don't know i need i need to read percival and i know ton of you out there are like i love percival like send me stuff i will (laughs) i'll read some percival but i'm just so into flintwood that i've yet to deviate 
like Oliver with other people, even though like now I've, I'm, I'm curious about like Oliver slash a twin. And that's also one that I've have I have thought about, but I don't think I've looked for. So that's, you know, but I mean, with when I think of Oliver immediately, I'm like, he belongs to Marcus. <laughs> he so, well, doesn't. Obviously, I agree. <laughs> I mean, I have read I've read some Percival. And mm-hmm. while I, I do, I should stipulate, listeners, for those of you shouting at me through your phones or however you happen to be listening, that that dynamic is incredible because there's a lot more um, slow development of mm-hmm. feelings. It's a lot more sentimental. It's It can be angsty and brooding as well, especially when one or the both of them isn't sure about how things are going. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I I really do like and enjoy that dynamic. So uh, I'm not saying that by shipping Flintwood, I don't ship Oliver with other people. It's mm-hmm. just that Flintwood to me is the ideal Oliver Wood ship because mm-hmm. there are just so many moving pieces that all slot into their opposite with yeah. their pairing. Um, and I really, I just really enjoy... I, again, this is, a, this is a bit of a personal revelation here. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's going to surprise any of our listeners. It's a very, you know, the, the, our fan base is very accepting of me. They know me. They love me. It's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> so when I was at school, I wasn't really into sports. Um, I was sort of the, the nerd. I think I talked to you before we started recording about how in my secondary school I actually like did extra library cataloging I was that mm, much mm-hmm. of a nerd so mm-hmm. I was I was never really involved with any you know any football team or the rugby team obviously I was interested but at the time you know I wasn't putting two and two together so now being able to read fan fiction that go that puts the two of them in that setting mm-hmm. um, and at that time uh, is is satisfying to me because it's getting to experience that part of life that I didn't at the time. And I think that is why I am so... I'm also mm. so heavily invested because it's satisfying a part of my life that I didn't get to satisfy first time round. Oh, interesting. Huh. I guess like I did I did various sports but sometimes but most of it was because my dad didn't have boys and he was one of those that was like I don't have boys so I'm gonna make you do quote-unquote boy things you know what I mean like I played softball I did what did I do I don't I did a but oh I played hockey I played soft softball um but then finally I got into cheerleading which was my choice I got into cheerleading and and loved it I loved cheerleading that's what I did nice I don't think we ever talked about that no no I did yeah (laughs) I could not do anything that I could do (laughs) in high school but I did I did do that so I mean I was definitely I I was a combination I was very focused on my studies I was definitely more of a um, even though I've like I have extroverted personality traits, I'm also someone who loves to be alone. So sure. I'm also like I I have fun around people. Like I can go out and and not be uncomfortable around people. But if I don't see people, I'm also not upset <laughs> upset yeah, by that's, that either. So that is me to a T. I am an ambivert too. Yeah. So it's a I would do like sports and things, and that's I would 
you know, I would still be outgoing in that sense, but I also was like worked really, you know, hard on my I mean, I was in like the top ten in the end of the I, I was definitely a, a big blur of I don't even know what to make myself as far as what I was in school. I don't feel like I really fit into any sort of like I guess like stereotypical role, which is sure. great. Like it's just, you know, doesn't need to don't need to be. I don't need to fit anywhere. No one does. Nice. <laughs> No, no. But, uh, but yeah, no, that's a really interesting perspective because, of course, for me, it's like obviously that wouldn't – I wouldn't think of that as driving factor just because like I was exposed to and involved in almost every sport from the cheerleader's point of view. So it's like I was uh-huh. – you know, even though I didn't play basketball, I understood everything about basketball. I understood everything about football. Like I, you know, like I, it was, but I, I don't know. Yeah. That's really, that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. And of course, Quidditch is codified as the equivalent of, you know, the school sport. Nobody does anything else. Like you, you play Quidditch or you do nothing, which makes me wonder, you know, uh, how so many of those school kids stay physically fit and active Mm -hmm. but i suppose you know having to walk to hagrid's regularly when it's like halfway down a hill and across Mm -hmm. a bridge like that's going to keep you fit if you're not if you're not playing quidditch but yes i am i definitely speaking as (laughs) uh, sorry i just thought of something okay so i'm 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 reading i'm reading us names right now a severus slash james Mm -hmm. potter Mm -hmm. and part of it is Lily and Severus are starting a belly dancing club at school. And oh, so nice. that's, and McGonagall is all for it because it's a sense of like physical activity that students can get involved in outside of Quidditch. So it was funny you said that, that I'm like, well, actually, Hogwarts has a belly dancing club. I love that that's <laughs> so canon to you. Actually, <laughs> can this just be canon, please? I, uh, I mean,. I, I want it to be. Of course, yeah. we should see various mm-hmm. characters belly dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really. Yeah, I'd hope that there's club sports. You know, like it's like we think of Quidditch as like, like you said, it's the the school sport. And I'd hope we don't hear about the clubs. The only time we really hear about clubs is in the fifth book when all of a sudden all extra extracurriculars are canceled and you have to apply. So it's mm. like people start bringing up all these other minor clubs that you're just like, whoa, those are, you know, those are a thing. The Gobstones Club. Yeah. yeah. Like there has to be a ton of other, there could be a knitting club. There could be a whatever, like who knows? There's probably a bunch of things that we just don't see because either it just wasn't Harry and the, the trio were too busy saving the freaking world and they <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it just, who knows? Who knows? Maybe Draco Malfoy has, like, a cross-stitch club. I mean, who knows? Like, you just, you just, there could be a lot of things. I, would, I mm-hmm. love that mm-hmm. for Draco. I, I I love that for Draco. Embroidery? Also, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. He embroiders all of his handkerchiefs with uh, his initials Of course he does. With, with, <laughs> the, with the Malfoy family crest and everything. Yes. In, mm-hmm. in gold filigree. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely think there are more details that... Uh, even JKR envisaged than that we're privy to in the books because I remember her saying something about uh, for the fourth book, uh, Goblet of Fire, it was a lot longer even than the final version ended up being. And there was a chapter where Sirius went to stay with a woman who was like a cat lady and she really loved the chapter, but the whole thing got cut. So I know for a fact that there will be more club details somewhere. Mm -hmm. But like on the subject of the belly dancing club, I absolutely see Slughorn being really proud of his belly and, and showing that off. 
Hey, good the... for you, Slughorn. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I absolutely see him working it. And, you know, and I'm all about like body positivity. Mm-hmm. If you want to do that, Horace, like that, yes. that is now my, my head cannon. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Horace Slughorn is on the committee of the belly dancing club. Yeah. He's like the, what is it? Like the teacher, like the, 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 I guess, I don't know. Like there's, there's always a, a teacher that oversees a specific club. Like they're the, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. So whatever that person and is. <laughs> and there are professors as well that we don't really see very much mm-hmm. of or get to know, like Sinistra and um, there's Grubbly Plank. There are a load of people that we... Even Professor Kettleburn, who's Care of Magical mm. Creatures teacher before Hagrid, that we only are introduced to once he leaves, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a, a really weird... Mm-hmm. Uh, and we don't detail. know how much of him is left. Yeah. <laughs> well we know that we know that prosthetic limbs and things have to exist for wizards but that that moody uh like preferred to have his wooden leg because it's more of a statement of you know success against the odds Uh, Hmm. but we know that that must be a possibility so it's highly likely that professor kettleburn just looks perfectly normal like he Mm -hmm. just has wizarding prosthetics um but i'm getting way off topic (laughs) Pettigrew has his silver hand even though it's probably a more cursed version of of (laughs) that sort of situation but i mean yeah there has to be tons of of things for that what can Pettigrew use (laughs) his silver hand for like are there specific things he has to do or could is he just free to use that hand for whatever because like Voldemort has to have some control over it Mm -hmm. at all times because it strangles him eventually right for for doing yeah but yeah now I just picture it's like it's a working hand but it also like is is obviously connected it's like connected kind of like Harry and Voldemort connected it's like he can sense like the like the probably has a stronger connection to Wormtail. And so when he, like, senses any sort of, like, switch in him or whatever, it, like, if, you know, like, you were given this gift as being a loyal servant. As soon as you are disloyal, you lose that right. That's possible. You know, that could be in the magic. Right. Well, because I'm picturing, like, an extension of Thing from the Adams family. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. the... Yeah. That's what I was picturing. But I, yes, thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I just... Does he I, take it off at night? Like, does can his little silver hand, like, go and do its own little thing, like, at night or sleep on a pillow beside him? Okay. This is, <laughs> this is a definite fan art moment. If you are in any way artistically inclined and you want to send us Peter Pettigrew hand fan art in this episode that is... <laughs> Supposedly about Flintwood. <laughs> How did we get here? Uh, I've taken us on a massive ten-minute diversion. I promise you. How 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 does this happen? I love a ship. I love this ship to bits, and we end up not talking about it because somehow I want to know if Peter Pettigrew's silver hand does its own thing at night. What is going on? Oh my gosh Woo! yeah i don't even know how we got there all i know is uh yeah i don't know anyway so 
<laughs> clubs. Wait. It was like clubs and other teachers and Slughorn. And then some of the teachers have missing limbs. And then we get into prosthetics. <laughs> and then it just got I mean, you're getting what you're getting, oh, listeners. Yeah. Uh, you're, Every week. I know you're happy I mean... to hear us. So we, we could talk about anything. We could talk about dream topping, waffles. <laughs> it's all possible. Woo! Oh, my goodness. So, Flintwood. <laughs> Flintwood. Flintwood. You were saying that you'd read quite a bit of them post-Hogwarts. Yes. Is there anything sticking out to you, like any AU or anything that you've read that that sort of, that you think encapsulates their dynamic really well post-Hogwarts? Because I'm just wondering, like, does it differ from seeing them in Hogwarts? Like, it, at opposite ends of the Quidditch pitch. Mm-hmm. So one that I really loved, which I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to look up which one it is, but it's a longer one. I feel like a lot of Flintwood is, I don't know, in the realm of like maybe 10k at most, or like usually one shots, like shorter one shots yeah. versus like chapter fic. And this one was definitely a chapter fic and I really love it. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to look it up and find it. But, um, so <laughs> if I figure out what it is, enter here, here is the name of said fic. <laughs> Nothing left to lose by immortal banner. <laughs> but um it's it's where it's after Hogwarts and uh what is it? And Oliver, of course, is pursuing his Quidditch career. And he's actually been with someone else, like some OC. They've been together since like the end of school. Pretty much he you read through it and you know that it's like, okay, Oliver is still with him because he's afraid to not be with someone because like he has like night terrors and things from the war. Like he has lots of trauma and his partner gets him through that trauma. So technically they're getting married. Like technically he's already yeah. engaged to someone else. But then he reaches a point where he realizes like his partner has no interest in Quidditch. He thinks that Oliver is, his dream is stupid. So already you're like, like this person oh, has no. written the most intense toxic relationship that it's like, it was written oh. so well, you know, it was definitely abuse to the, and like, and the fact that Oliver acknowledged, oh, he's like, wow, Oliver. I've been, I've been abused for years emotionally. And like, because I've been cut down like over and over again, like I oh, want him no. to come to my games. And he's like, why? They're dumb. You know, like, when are you going to get a real job? When are you going to da 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 And the whole time. Time, you're just like Oliver what are you doing with this person and ultimately his only reason is the fact that he has someone because he's afraid to be by himself like when oh, he, no. he gets into panic attacks like he has panic attacks and things so eventually he realizes he can't do it anymore so then he goes to um a, what is it a muggle yeah a muggle gay bar like his friend either is like hey go somewhere where you're not going to know anybody and just go out and you know and he's i don't think he had been with anyone else of course that was completely weird for him and then guess what marcus flint is there and uh -huh. this marcus flint i can't remember what his job is but he's not in he's not a quidditch player i think he works at gringotts because i think he has like a um he has like a low-end position because his newts he didn't get many newts so it's like he wasn't he couldn't really get a good job you know sort of thing okay. like just it was the way it was. So, so he's a low-level executive. Yeah, I think he works for Bill Weasley, I guess. I think okay. in this one. 
So, but, so we get to see both points of view, which I loved. It's a long story and we get to see both of their points of view, which I absolutely loved to being able to swap between the two. So ultimately, of course, they like, Oliver's like, okay, I thought I would maybe find someone random and then have a hookup to get over this whatever. But I run into Marcus and they get talking. And Marcus had gone to like with no intent really to like do anything that night. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, well, I guess we're hooking up. And then after that, it ended up falling into like, well, actually, I'd do this again. And they, you know, kept hooking up all all with the backstory of Marcus having never slept with anyone more than once. Never, never, ever, ever, because he has the pressures of his parents being like the Flint fortune, the Flint name, Flint manor, yeah, blah, blah, like expected to marry someone. And they keep setting up these dinners with all these pure blood witches so that he can marry. And he's like, you know, I'm gay, right? Like, you know, I'm gay. I've told you like probably like three times a day because apparently you can't accept that and even it's so it's it's his like rebellion to his parents, but also like. He doesn't have the ability to, like, he, he just has so many vulnerabilities that you don't see, like, because it's Marcus Flint, which is fascinating to get to know him from that, you know, the fact that he was put through so much pressure, like, it just, so it ended up getting into this fake dating thing where he invited Oliver to pretend to be his boyfriend at the holiday party as, like, a shocker to his parents. And of oh, course, yes! that's, that's when you know things are changing between them, and Oliver's like, what's happening? Like, things might be, are, are a little different than just, like, even though from the beginning they're like, this is just when we're horny we owl each other like that's yeah. <laughs> that's just that's where it where it goes can confirm this happens. <laughs> this happens but ultimately oliver sees he's like oh i have someone to talk to that likes quidditch oh i have someone who actually is like interested in mm. me and and things like regardless and it was like reaching a point where like they started to actually be doing boyfriend things and that's when oliver's like okay i need to like call this out like you're coming over after work every day we have meals together we go out like we do boyfriend things and then that's when marcus shuts down because he's like he cannot connect the two even though sure. it is that way he's like no it's just physical it's just physical i can't do this and he just like leaves and of course like destroys oliver but then finally marcus is like this is this is stupid it's literally me getting in the way of being happy and it's it's the most angsty thing but then of course they end up back together and it's just amazing and oliver is like so supportive of him and standing up to his parents and like it's just oh it's so good it's such a great i just i loved the the fact that it wasn't it was a different play on them like both doing Quidditch and them coming back together and seeing each other again because they both play Quidditch like it was by chance that they ran into each other like there was no other reason by the fact that they happened to both be at this muggle bar because Marcus only sleeps with muggles because he never wants to have that connection to the wizarding world which then would mean like he would see those people again yeah absolutely you know I mean? it would link so, him to all these pressures he wants to escape exactly yeah. and it's just oh it's so it's so good. It's probably my, it's definitely my favorite Flintwood and I definitely will reread it. It's one of those that I'm like, I would reread this. So good. It was so well written. I don't know how long it was, but it was, I mean, it was longer than most Flintwood are. And it, oh, it was just, it was so great because it was just the whole time. You're just like, wow, Oliver deserves so much more. And then 
Marcus, mm-hmm. you can give him what he needs and he can give you what you need if you just let him. You know what I mean? Like, it's just was like, <gasps> it was just sure. the emotions. Like, I mean, you know how I am with like deep emotions and things when I'm writing things. Like, this person really got into the emotional th- side of things and I could, I felt like I was feeling so intense the entire story but even from the beginning i'm like get out of this relationship oliver what are you doing you're wasting your time you're settling you are settling so hard so it was uh and that, yeah and that, but that is proof <laughs> that you were invested in yes. character and mm-hmm. the thing is i feel like the book sets you up to be invested in oliver particularly because mm-hmm. if you think about it oliver's introduced uh, when Harry catches the rememberall that Draco throws, and he is the one that gets Harry set up on the Gryffindor Quidditch mm, team mm-hmm. with McGonagall's help. So he's he's set up to be a, like a really big part of Harry's um, assimilation into the Wizarding world. Mm-hmm. And you and I think we do come to care for the character of Oliver. And then. As you know, other events happen. He he fades more into the background gradually, which is a, is a shame because I think you know we do get invested. And I haven't really talked about this yet, but so much of um like well slash ships for me in particular. There's an obviously there's an element of wish fulfillment in it for me. I mean, yes, you could say that about the you know the physical side of the relationship and sure you know mm-hmm. the smut is the smut is fun but where what i am invested in flintwood for in particular is that uh, eventual arrival at wholesome emotional mm-hmm. resolution mm-hmm. where they can deal with whatever particular demons or trauma or whatever it happens to be together mm-hmm. because they complement each other so well and when they arrive at that point there is something inside me that goes oh i'm so glad somebody has that mm-hmm. yes 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 because you know so like so much of the lgbt culture that i have particularly experienced up to this point and this isn't to denigrate anybody's individual experience but it but the 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 hook up side of things can get a little demoralizing after a while because mm-hmm. the currency of that makes it feel like you're not emotionally valued in the same way mm-hmm. so when i read a slash ship particularly i'm interested in that emotional mm-hmm. connection mm-hmm. between them and when that happens i'm like yes particularly with flintwood because mm-hmm. they are such different characters. Mm-hmm. They come from different backgrounds. They have totally different outlooks on like their... Okay, the one thing that they have in common is how ambitious and driven they are to mm-hmm. succeed at Quidditch. And I love that about them because it's that ambition that keeps literally banging them together. Mm-hmm. But... In every, in almost every other respect, they are each other's polar opposite. Okay, so I just, I just remember a scene from this story, which stands okay. out to me as one of the most amazing scenes. Like, it just, I can picture it. So this validates, yes, he worked at Gringotts. So he was working at Gringotts. He helps, like, count. I think he's, like, he literally just counts gold. That's his job. One. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, we were doing some, some count stuff before we started recording (laughs) 
from Sesame Street or whatever. But anyway, so so he's there counting gold and he happens to see Oliver come in and talk to a goblin and go into the vaults and then leave and then he sees Marcus and like horse stares at him and then he leaves. Then Marcus is like, I don't remember if he leaves early or he takes his lunch early because he's like curious. And then sure enough, when he goes to leave, Oliver's sitting like in the chair in like the atrium, you know, like he's like just mm-hmm. like waiting for him. And this is literally like the day after or a couple days after their first night together. So it literally was like okay. they saw each other once and it had been since school. They had only seen each other once in school and then they happened to run into each other, you know? So it was like they saw each other and then that was at the moment that they're like, you know, it'd be nice to do it again. But the reason Oliver was there was because he was separating the bank accounts from him and his previous partner. Right. So it was oh, like, wow. it was him literally like making that step of like, this is over and I'm moving forward and, and Marcus is there. Like, it's like, I'm, I'm moving uh, forward. And so now it's like, now they are on their trajectory moving forward together. I just thought that the symbolism of that was so beautiful. Just like, he's like, oh, yeah, I had to, you know, I was just separating, you know, our bank accounts. Because that's obviously a thing. Like, they were going to get married. And yeah, mm-hmm. it was just, uh, yeah, it was, it's, that was so good. I can picture, like, I can just, I can see Little Oliver, like in the distance, in the center of like Gringotts and Marcus just honing in and seeing him there and them there, they're like meeting eyes and oh yeah, I just, oh, I love that story. That's another one I just like, I love. So, so hey, here's one that maybe you should read and then maybe we could do an episode about it because it is so good. There's so many elements of it that I could break down that I'm forgetting that I wish that I could read through. So that ultimately could okay, be Okay, well, that's happening. That, that's <laughs> That's happening. I want to do that. I love this ship too much. I, I know. can't just leave it at one episode. I know. It's not like this is our podcast. Look, I know, <laughs> listeners, you're along for the ride, but I, um, I'm sorry, I'm taking the wheel of the ship right now. <laughs> we are doing a Flintwood Fick episode at some yes. point in the near future mm-hmm. because I can't, I can't just leave it at one episode. Mm-hmm. I need, I need you to know that the reason that I love them as a couple amounts to more than just their glistening Quidditch muscles in the Mm -hmm. summer sun, or whatever it happens to be. Um, So, yeah, yes, there is a certain amount of wish fulfillment there, but I just, I feel like it's one of those, it's one of those ships that, like we said from the start, it just feels right with mm-hmm. the reader like mm-hmm. it's not one of those ones that you just have to pluck a character out of thin air for them to end up with mm-hmm. it, they, they are there's so much tension between them already there's so much conflict there's so much drama there's so much history built into their competition that that has to go somewhere mm-hmm. and i love the i love the idea um that this author has taken this really universal experience of maybe ending up with somebody that is wrong for you because they don't share your your interests and you're just invested in that relationship because you're afraid of mm-hmm. being alone or being by yourself or mm-hmm. whatever it happens to be. I think a lot of people can relate yeah. to being in that position. Absolutely. Um, and I really, I suppose, I think this is one of the things that's c- kind of fundamental to all fiction, really. But all good resolution comes out of being resolved from those periods of really 
dark introspection those areas of your life where you think oh well you know i wait i did make a mistake i am gonna have to backpedal i'm gonna need to change things Mm -hmm. for me to be happy when characters earn happiness out of coming from a place of sort of internal despair i love it more because you see what they've struggled through Mm -hmm. to arrive at that conclusion you know um with so i think that's why to marry works because you know, particularly with Harry, what he's had to go through to arrive at the conclusion that he does. To, like, he's had to come across this adversary that has been like a massive part of the entirety of his life, basically shaped his mm-hmm. life, to then, like, as we did with Love of a Good Wizard, to then go back in time and meet Tom before he kills. Mm-hmm. But it's still, like, it's still Tom Riddle. And we know that that's bringing up an awful lot of stuff for Harry. Mm-hmm. Like, like it. sure, it would be rewarding to the reader for them just to end up together and, you know, and it, it'd be nice. Yeah. But, once, but if you have the internal conflict, the moment of, whoa, whoa why is this happening? the end result get is so much more satisfying mm-hmm. and i particularly one of the things that i love about flintwood like being together at the end of it is that they've they've had their individual life they've gone mm-hmm. and tried to be separate from each other and it just hasn't worked mm-hmm. because the implication there is that they're destined to be together mm-hmm. and being the sappy romantic that I am, mm-hmm. or at least, you know, when it comes to fiction anyway, mm-hmm. I just, I really love when an author leans into that. I am grateful that fic like this exists. Yes. I want to entertain the possibility that life can mirror it in some way. And you beautifully talented authors let me do that. And mm-hmm. I will remain forever in your debt. You are some of the most talented people on the planet. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> I No, it's true. Yes, absolutely. It's amazing. I just, yeah. It's it's awesome. And what I love about the post like post Hogwarts stuff for any ship is the fact that it's like it plays into the theme of right person, wrong time. Like in school, yeah. you see how things are developing a certain way, but it's like, but if it happened then it wouldn't, you know, things would it wouldn't work out well but then later on running into that person be that you know serendipitous or whatever which i mean they're definitely felt very serendipitous multiple times in this fic that we'll be discussing and it's just that's that has that own romance to it of like you are meeting the like coming back into the life of the person that you're supposed to be with and you were supposed to be with them at this point in time in their lives because oliver needed you know needed him to someone else to step in and tell him you know there's literally just any sort of decent person could treat you better than (laughs) than your fiance does like literally any person like it just so it just um but yeah and i i mean and we talk about like another a main reason why I think a lot of times that we like the ships that we or at least I like the ships that I like is because this is an enemies to lovers ship for the most part or even if it's enemies to friends to lovers it's the fact that it's like it's starting as enemies and then getting to that point so you know you're in for a ride of like 
you know, bunch of angst and, and roadblocks and all of that sure. stuff. And so, and that's, those are the ships I love the most is it's like, I have so much fun with enemies to lovers and these guys are just, they're just, they're just so great. I don't even know what, what more I can say because I'm just so like, I'm just having talked about them for, I, I, I'm just, I don't know. I just, I love yeah. these two characters so much. It's like, it's overwhelming me emotionally right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> from the t- from the time we're introduced to them, they're coded as each other's opposite. So mm-hmm. they're both captains of the Quidditch teams, and so we're supposed to infer from that that there's a sort of a a Draco Harry animosity level mm-hmm. going on, but it, it's on a on a different scale. They've been around longer. There's more history there. We're not privy to it because we're only seeing it from Harry's very very young perspective at that point. Um, like you say, I also like, like as I've said before, I really enjoy post-Hogwarts stuff because it gives characters room to emotionally mature. Mm, but mm-hmm, I do, that too. but I yeah. es- especially love Fick that even though it's dealing with characters in a post-Hogwarts way, it will flash back to times when they mm-hmm. were in Hogwarts and flash back to little moments that don't even need to be um like very charged but for mm-hmm. that character for that person in that moment it holds an awful lot of um emotional significance and i'm thinking of things like the seduction of arthur weasley mm-hmm. and the flashbacks in that fic because those moments and i think we we do have moments with people that are that become these sort of like transcendent moments that you carry with you as being talismanic or emblematic of something bigger than they are in that moment and i love that like the re-exploration of that from mm-hmm. an adult context from them being away from school maybe they you know they never acted on their feelings at school because there was so much pressure from parents you know maybe flint uh in the future is at a place where he he isn't being pressured by his parents anymore i don't know maybe they move away maybe Mm -hmm. they've passed on who knows Mm -hmm. but um i like that the there is the possibility that they have been given the, the both of them have been given the room to grow and develop and then come back together because i know like just speaking from personal experience I've had times with people where you feel like you're meeting somebody at the wrong time mm-hmm. and they're, lo- they're like they're really nice people but it just doesn't feel right in the moment mm-hmm. and there is something heartbreaking about it and I think like as readers we've all been through some element of heartbreak mm-hmm. so some part of you is looking for that uh, the the sort of the resolution to that even if it is fictional, because I know if someone can write it that well, they're writing it from a position usually of of writing out their own heartbreak into something that that transcends that. Mm-hmm. And that that is not just one of the reasons I love this ship. That's one of the reasons I love fan fiction. But I especially love as when it happens with a pairing that that is believable for and nowhere does that better in my opinion than something like flintwood mm-hmm. and one thing i love that sometimes i've read is the fact that like they do meet each other later in life and it's something that like either 
it rushes back for Oliver and then all those old like animosities and feelings come back and he like holds them against like this 10 years later Marcus and he's like we were kids like I don't even remember half the shit I did to you like I'm sorry I made you feel some sort of way but I'm like I barely remember any of that and the whole time Oliver's like but you were and we did and blah 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 and he's like uh you know like it, it obviously was something that affected Oliver to an extent that then frustrates Oliver more that it didn't affect Flint as deeply as it affected him. And it's like, and that's another side of things of not, of them both coming forward, having processed and moved on from things differently, you know, like it's just, so that was very interesting. So it's not them immediately being like, because I feel like we see that in Drury too. Like Harry is always suspicious. Like he's just, he's always going to be suspicious of Draco. And Draco's like, I've just been, you know, doing this basic job or living a normal life. And I'm like, why does this, you know, like, oh, you know, like it's just, it's certain people, characters can be written to be like having held on to things. And when you think of like having, when someone holds on to things like that, obviously they never got the resolution they wanted. So now is the opportunity for them to reach the resolution they wanted just later and in a different way. And ultimately romance, love forever, happily ever after. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, quite. I, I Or not. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way. But just the fact that it's like you're finally reaching a point that you can like be adults together and and work through something that you didn't know you needed to work through. Like Marcus or whoever or be that Marcus or Draco worked through things on their own like and and reached a point of acceptance of what was done and either like I'm sorry for what I did and I own up to it and then the other person is like wait what like you're not gonna fight me on this like you're not gonna you know be all like protective of yourself or defensive and he's just like no it was stupid I was a stupid kid like I'm I'm sorry that I was that way and and it's just like the whole time they're just like what's the catch like what's what's the catch like you're being too chill about this but really it's like no i'm just a grown adult now that i'm i don't behave that way anymore like it's just well (laughs) but let's be real he had to know he had to know that what he was doing was like beyond the pale because he was viciously like to quote dobby uh he viciously like maimed or seriously injured you know yeah doesn't want to maim or seriously dismember it was it yeah it like he had to know that he was causing like pretty serious injuries to people Mm -hmm. he obviously had a lot of physical energy that Mm -hmm. he needed to to deal with that was being channeled in a certain direction um and he has to know that that was not right Mm -hmm. so at a certain at a certain point you know maybe when he's calmed down post school he can deal with that you know mm-hmm. as I, as we've talked about before you aren't the 17 year old right. that you were for the rest of your life you know you do some growing up you you realize that um you know the the um the ways not just the way you act but the way you think evolves mm-hmm. and uh, you know and that really changes your your outlook more than anything and i really you know flint is characterized as this buffoon who mm-hmm. had to repeat a year but who's to say he didn't, you know, become, uh, you know, develop an acumen for certain things, even if it was, you know, working at Gringotts, just because you don't get qualified when you're initially taking exams doesn't mean that you can't go back and qualify again when mm-hmm. you're ready to take the exams later. You know, who's to say mm-hmm. that he doesn't, like, 
get a hold of himself, pull him up by his bootstraps and get right. uh you you know, get get good for want of a better turn of phrase, you know? Um that can happen and maybe Oliver is that person in his life mm-hmm. that's encouraging him, that's giving him the support because you know, maybe one of the reasons he was characterized as always being so thick was because he was never encouraged mm-hmm. to be uh you know to that because i know there have been people in my life that thought i would never amount to much like uh, a doctor told my mum like 18 months after i was born that i would never hold a pen and i remember uh emailing that doctor or sending over a a, a copy of my degree my mm-hmm. english degree to that doctor that said i would never hold a pen and i you know when i hand wrote a letter to say oh by the way as you can see, you know, I've, I'm I've, holding a I've, pen. Yeah. Oh, Nathan, I love you. That's amazing. That's so great. Well, I, well, yeah. I, I love, I love triumph over adversity stories. Yeah. You know, and I, I think there are, you know, I, I had. Do you know when I when I got my GCSE results? I'm going to tell another personal story. Now. <laughs> when I got my when I got my GCSE results, like my immediate family were really uh, encouraging me and supporting me. Everybody was really lovely. But I texted my uncle and my uncle's reply was, uh, oh, but everybody's passing these days. And th- my point is that we all know, we've all got those people in our lives mm-hmm. that are like, don't think above your station. You'll never amount to much. Mm-hmm. Th- don't bother trying. You know, life's going to knock you down. And I think maybe... Um, one of the other reasons I like Marcus so much is that he is the perfect character for a kind of redemption arc mm-hmm. because really we only see him as this really thuggish, aggressive bully. And we know even the even the bullies I've known in my own life are a lot more than that. They're a lot more uh, complex, you know, and some people grow out of it and some don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point is that the opportunity is there and I... I love to think that if Flint got together with somebody like Wood, who we know to be uh, passionate about the causes he believes in, mm-hmm. that, that that would be good for them both. I mean, like you already said about uh, Flint possibly being the encouraging element for Oliver whenever, you know, he's doubting himself coming out of that abusive relationship. We all need these people in our lives that can be our best cheerleaders Mm because we're good at being our own worst enemies and i just i love the idea of them being supportive for each other it's so wholesome and fluffy and yes i love the smut i do i love the smut i'm I'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and deny that there are some bludgers that need a good whacking but i (laughs) but i also love i just love the wholesome emotional supportive stuff because i think a part of me fundamentally believes we all need that we all need that level of comfort and just reading about it with characters that i care about and i'm invested in like makes me feel better it actually lifts me up you mm-hmm. know it does something it does something to me has an effect on me that is more than just the words on the page it is more than just the story it is the author knowing what I need 
and giving that to me because writing is an inherently generous act and i am so i am so grateful to those creators that get that it's it's just such a, a wonderful process to be a part of anyway you look like you want to say yes something. so i have a i'm gonna start a prompt for a fic like i do so you were talking about supporting each other so uh-huh. so think of this he gets held back another year and he's back for another year right so okay. we have marcus who's still potentially the captain to either maybe like he was given the opportunity to remain captain if he met some sort of you know academic levels it's like it's like that sure. with like um like university sports and even high school like if you don't do well like you you don't play you know what i mean like you're still at school yeah. you still so i feel like maybe what happened was like his final year he was allowed certain liberties to like continue you know focusing on quidditch above you know school and then that's what his downfall was so that for him so for him to return if he was allowed to play again he was going to have to meet certain academic requirements and then oliver catches wind that it's possible that flint would not be able to play and oliver of course is like if i'm gonna beat someone if i'm gonna win this cup i have to beat marcus flint if he's not playing then what's the like you know like if he was at school and able to play and he wasn't there like i feel like there would be a piece of oliver that would feel like it wasn't enough so oliver offers to help tutor and work with marcus so they study for any wts together and all of that so it's like that combo of them still having that like animosity of like you know, but then they actually slowly, low-key get this rent friendship and probably at the final game, like, they are still themselves, like, out on the pitch of, like, having that, you know, competitiveness or whatever. But at the end, like, I could see at the end, like, at the very end, of course, Gryffindor wins. Like, afterwards, either Marcus coming up to, you know, Oliver afterward, like, holding the cup and being like, congrats, dude. Like, you helped me so much. Like, I wouldn't be able to have the opportunities or the future that I could have because you didn't, you know, because I didn't have someone like you to help me before. And so I just feel like that would just be a a a a, a slice of life of that final year of theirs together, of them growing to have something different. And so that Oliver's like, if you can't play, I don't I don't want to win if I can't beat you. You know what I mean? So it's like if yeah. you're going to play, you have to do this thing and I can help you do it. So that's that's a thing I, I want to read. That. <laughs> Maybe I'll write that. Yeah. I love that so much. I do. Too. I love that so much. I just and, the know, whole time you were talking about them like helping each other, I was just like I was just I was literally like, I could see them in the library. I could see them like, I mean, I just, it just all painted a picture. I'm like, of course, because I feel like I've probably either read something similar or I don't even know if it was like maybe even Harry Potter fan fiction, maybe dreary or something. But I know that if there's been something like that where it's like you, it's not only you wanting to win something like Oliver's like, oh, yes, Gryffindor wins the Quidditch Cup. But if I don't beat this specific person to reach that cup because I haven't beaten them before. You know what I mean? Slytherin always won and Marcus was always the captain. So for Marcus to be there 
and to not play and not for, for Oliver to be able to show him I can be better than you. Like there's, he's going to feel a severe level of disappointment and like unfulfillment in that regard of like, oh yeah, I won, but I don't know. Like I will never know if I could have beaten him. You know what I mean? Well, exactly. But I also think that's the moment as well that Wood realizes that, wait, the 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 thing that I think that I'm passionate about, which mm-hmm. is this Quidditch team, mm-hmm. of course, you know, of course he's passionate about it. But when he realizes, oh, I don't want to play if it's not against Flint, mm-hmm. you like he realizes there's that switch in his head where he's like, I've been being motivated by something other than mm-hmm. just my love of the game. Right, here. right. Yeah, yeah. So I... See, the thing is with that one, it's like, I would love to write it, but that's definitely like a long fic. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, like, one-shotting that. Like, you would have to, like... It would have to be a slow burn build up. I mean, maybe one day I will. Maybe that will be my next project. Like, that would be so much fun, but I just... That sounds so fun. Like, I just... But there's a lot of prompts that we come up with that sound so fun in the moment (laughs) i know i know but i also with you know building on that prompt idea i see a moment where lee jordan is very prescient and knows that there's like tension between them Mm -hmm. that amounts to more than tension on the quidditch pitch and he sort of starts making little commentary jokes oh my gosh that would be so oh my gosh Oh my goodness. And once again, Marcus makes it through Oliver's brain. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Woo. Woo. Um, yeah. Oh, and it has to be something where it's like in secret. Like it's like I no one can know that I'm helping him because that could be a part of like embarrassment on Oliver's part to like admitting that the reason why I'm doing this is because I want to beat Marcus. And I'm sure that like the twins or anyone would be like, Oliver, you're being so stupid. Why are you wasting your time? Like it's like yeah. if we a win is a win. A win is a win. And of course, Oliver's like... I cannot convince you why my brain is the way it is. And this is the way my brain is. And I have to do this. And same thing for like, um, like Marcus would never admit to his friends you know, or his teammates that he was getting help from a Gryffindor. You know what I mean? Like, No, there's massive animosity between the houses. Yep. There's too much inbuilt segregation mm-hmm. in that school to for inter-house unity, which yeah. is a problem in and of itself because, you know, we shouldn't be, that. that isn't something that we should be teaching our kids. But, you know, that moral right. point is a thing for a different episode. Um, <laughs> there's, there's that much built in hatred between the houses or at least if not hatred then distrust between the houses that if anybody was seen to be sort of crossing the divide and bridging Mm -hmm. the gap in any context regardless of what student it was they'd be bullied mercilessly for it like why are you helping a slytherin what what mm-hmm. could we possibly stand to gain from that and you know the whole house point system is sort of geared to you work well for your house that's what you do you know mm-hmm. you you work well for your close friends but don't don't dare try you know extending an olive branch and right. and uh i read somewhere that uh you know oliver that that name comes from 
or is in some way redolent of an olive branch. And so the idea of him extending an olive branch to Flint mm-hmm. is is particularly satisfying mm-hmm. because it's it's like, look, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but we both know that there's more to this than than either of us is acknowledging. Mm-hmm. You know, all of this. There, there could be such satisfying internal monologue, you know, moments of self-doubt, of questioning, mm-hmm. of angst. But ultimately, you know, I... Uh, I need for them, I need for, in particular, for them to get together and for it to be happy for this ship. I know I say that for everything that we cover because I really don't like leaving characters in an unfulfilled or unhappy place. Mm -hmm. But for them, particularly, the part in me that sees this relationship as wish fulfillment needs for them to be happy because I need to know it's possible for them to be Mm -hmm. happy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I just remembered there was one of the stories that I read, and I don't know if you've read this one, but there was a body swap fic. Oh, no, I haven't read it, but I have. I think we, we've we talked about okay, it. Okay, okay, because that one was super fun because, of course, it's like when they swap bodies, obviously it's everything as far as like all of a sudden Oliver is like this big hulking form and he's like no wonder you look like whatever or like he's like always running into things and he's like he's seeing it's funny them seeing things from the other person's point of view of like why they do or say you know whatever and I can't remember if they pretend to be each other or if everyone knows I feel like everyone knows because it's like the weirdest thing for like Oliver to be Marcus like talking to yeah I think they do know because eventually what happens is they start doing like their own um like Quidditch like practice things like having alone Quidditch time so they could fly and and learn how to do things the way the other person does things because their bodies are different so it's like they taught each other strategies and stuff which was really cool and of course the whole time everyone's like looking at them like look at those two lovebirds like flying around and having a great time and like hugging it out afterwards like great job whatever and it's just like the lingering i know my favorite part of it is the fact that um apparently marcus is really like really into skincare so like when he gets oliver's body and he has like dry knuckles and like his skin is all dry and itchy he's like how can he not like use lotion does he know what lotion is and so then he provides oliver with like a bunch of product to use on his body he's like don't you send my body back to me like all like You need to, you better take care of my body. Like, it was just like, it was just so funny to see the flip side of like Oliver not really caring what he looked like, even though, because he was like effortlessly handsome. Like, it was seen that way as like, oh, he was popular and obviously good looking and people liked him because he was good looking. And then there was Marcus who was seen as, you know, less attractive, but he was the one who actually like cared (laughs) about his appearance and like did. It was, it just was so, that one was so good too. I loved, because that was getting the point of view of the person, but also being in their head, being in the other person's head, which is just, that's just like a whole, like, yeah, I don't even know. But that was, that was another fun to read, one to read too. I'm going to have to dig that one up. Um, but but so they that- have to have... They, the characters have to have known mm-hmm. that they weren't in their right bodies because they played different Quidditch positions. Right. Yeah, like, I couldn't... Because w- sometimes w- I've read body swaps where they have to pretend that they're the other person. But they... But everyone did know. Like, everyone did know. And I don't even know if they were able to play 
on their teams or or what happened. But yeah, I'm pretty sure everyone knew because it, it was supposed to be temporary. I think it was like some sort of magic, you know, what like spell gone wrong or potions accident, and it would just take a couple weeks for Snape or Slughorn or or someone to be able to get the antidote to put them, you know, back to rights or whatever. So it was supposed to be just like a temporary thing, but. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was, that was fun. That was fun. So, of course, it was, like, when they swapped, like, changed back, it was, like, oh, I missed, you know, it it, it was, it became super intimate once they finally, like, realized, like, oh, I have feelings for you, and then being able to, like, see you back in your body, having, like, had your body, and, like, being able to admire it in a different way, and the fact that, what was it, like, Oliver was mad turned on by the fact that he had Marcus's body, and then there was Marcus, <laughs> Marcus, who felt like he was, like, this voyeur, like, he's, like, I can't, like, he, like, he was the one uncomfortable, he's, like, I can't do that to him, like, I can't, and m- meanwhile, Oliver's just, like, oh, my God, like, he's just, like, <laughs> living the dream, and Marcus is all shy, and, I mean, it just was, like, the personality stuff, it was just... <laughs> so funny but yeah so i that was another good one i just remembered so them the body swap i love body swap fic i just i love body i love body swap fic as well and one of the reasons that i love it particularly is because it explodes the myth that we are what we look like Mm -hmm. and um speaking as someone that uses a wheelchair and that is in a body that doesn't feel comfortable a hundred percent at the time I so love the idea of being able to pop into somebody mm-hmm. else's body for a little bit to experience the world as they would see it because it's ultimately, it's escapism for me whenever mm-hmm. I read it because it's like, oh, perspective is such a thing. And mm-hmm. you know, when you, when you get used to seeing the world a certain way, like everybody does in their own body, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. When you get used to seeing the world a certain way, the idea of being able to literally put yourself into somebody else's shoes becomes really appealing, especially when the you know the characters happen to be you know particularly attractive mm-hmm. and into each other. That just adds a another element to it. But but particularly I find reading body swap fit really um wholesome for me because it's like it's it's literally it's literal physical escapism Mm -hmm. and i suppose you could say well when you read a story you're not reading it as as the reader you're not reading it as you you're putting yourself in whoever's narrating that story's Mm -hmm. shoes but what i love about body swap is that it takes the character's awareness and puts them in an unfamiliar situation just like when you're a reader and you're coming to a story for the first time that's a totally unfamiliar situation to you Mm -hmm. you know you don't know anybody you don't know what the story is you don't know what's going on and for that to happen in a self-aware way to one of the characters in the story Mm -hmm. it's just massively entertaining for me and i love it so much yeah and one part of it was um what was it oliver was like I don't know if it, it was like low, like whether it was teasing or partly not, but he was like, oh, so did you, you know, take advantage of, you know, like my body and like get with all the <laughs> girls or something like that? And he's like, he's like, no, like one, I, I wouldn't, he's like, I don't go for girls, one. And then two, I would never do that to your body or whatever. And it was like, it just was like, there were all these things that just kept shocking Oliver of Marcus because they had to like, it just, 
it reached a point of them having to just be vulnerable because all of a sudden they're inside the shell that they had. They're no longer, they no longer have their, sh their shell. They're in a different one. So it's like, it's totally, yeah, that was, that was a, that was a lot of fun. I don't read enough body swap and I, I, I think it's, it's so much fun, but that's interesting that you say that it's like you putting yourself in that, you know, situation, but yeah, that's, Ah, yeah, that's really, really interesting. So another thing that you touched on uh, with with their particular pairing and the body swap dynamic is whenever, is it Flint says, I don't go for girls? Um, I think, I don't know. I think both of, I don't know. It's been a long time ago, but it, it, it comes up where ultimately like either one of them uses, either Marcus makes a comment because he's in his body. He's like, oh, you must have people going for you all the time or Oliver says now that you're in my body like are you taking advantage or whatever or something like that but ultimately obviously yeah. they both discover that it's like no I'm gay and you're also gay or whatever like it's just like no I don't whatnot yeah so yeah but but what I love about that is that the implication is that their gayness is unique to their soul mm -hmm. and not something that is a physical mm -hmm. product of them being in that body. Mm -hmm. And I love that mm -hmm. because as LGBTQ people, we can sometimes be, there's there's a lot of shame that you grow up with by mm -hmm. being other. And it, and you know, you, you sort of get the idea that there's, you know, there must be something wrong with the way that I think or with my body or because I, I'm not behaving in a normal way, in inverted commas. Mm -hmm. And what I love about what that statement is saying in Thick is that no, who you love is a part of who you are mm -hmm. and has nothing to do with your physical accoutrements right. it's just a part of who you are intrinsic to you and that might be one of the most wholesome things <laughs> that i have ever come across oh. that is just mm -hmm. so that's so beautiful mm -hmm. uh, and if only if only more writing made those sorts of statements for people mm -hmm. and we ended up in a more um love aware mm -hmm. place with each other we'd be living in a much more wholesome sort of a world. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously we are the product of what we grow up through. And I don't know that I would take a lot of the, the negative stuff that's happened to me away because it's informed the experiences right. that have made me who I am. But I would love to be able to go back to my younger self and, so, and reassure me that the love... I was feeling, the feelings I were feeling were intrinsic to who I was mm -hmm. and not just some random byproduct of some, you know, genetic malfunction mm -hmm. or, or, you know, physical aberration. Mm -hmm. um, because that's something that I, I dealt with a double whammy of that, being gay and disabled. You know, you think you're, you know, there, there were times growing up where I sort of uh, thought that I was Quasimodo. You know, you do, you mm -hmm. do sort of think, oh, well, you know, I must be, that there must be something up with me. And for, for the will to be in this place at the moment where we are getting to a place where we're more ready to acknowledge each other for the, for the soul that we have mm -hmm. than the baggage that we carry mm, is such, mm -hmm. is such a good place to be in. I mean, I know there are things happening in the world at the moment, particularly that are dreadful, you know, absolutely awful. But fanfic, once again, has proven to me 
that there can be, you know, incredible acts of love and moments of good that we can't discount as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and even though we're in this place where the the world is in a very precarious place at the moment, it's heartening to know that even in these times, we can ship loudly, <laughs> ship strongly, mm-hmm. and really love each other for who we are. I mean, what a what a conclusion to come to. <laughs> Gosh, I'm just like overwhelmed with feeling and speechless right now. That was so <laughs> that was that was so beautiful to like I just oh yeah, no, that's that's so that's just so great. I don't even know what to say. I'm just <laughs> trying not to cry right now. <laughs> <laughs> But no, but it's true because like because even like how people write, like obviously by writing things a certain way shows an amount of belief and understanding in a way that the human experience can be and how people can feel and how people can connect other people. So it's like it's not even if we're messing with fantasy people in a fantasy world, there has to be a foundation behind, you know, that like the morals and the emotions and the feelings that it's like if we didn't believe in them and be moved by them, they wouldn't be as important and vital as they are and that's yeah that's another great yeah same thing with getting into to fanfic is being able to feel those things and validate the things that we know exist that we maybe don't get to experience directly every day of our lives but the fact that we can read it and understand it and put ourselves into it we're like even though this is fiction i know that real love and and real like emotions and and feelings and acceptance like this does exist somewhere and is able to exist and that's why this exists here it's not just some made-up phenomenon of like of impossibility it's obviously possible if we can believe it of of fictional characters we can absolutely believe it and and yearn for it in true life you know relationship scenarios so yeah yeah and it gives us the the actual frame of reference to because like we're all trying to be better i i have to believe that we're all trying to be better um in in some way in our lives mm-hmm. and like having characters that behave in a certain way that that is accepting or that moves past barriers or baggage gives like people the breathing room to be able to do that themselves i mean i happen to think that one of the strongest things about writing in character is that it gives you the ability to say things that you would never feel comfortable Mm, or mm -hmm. confident saying yourself and so when fic does the you know we talk about fanfic like it's this silly thing i i was describing i was actually having a job interview the other day and they asked me because i put the podcast on my cv Uh and they asked me to explain the podcast and i i could have gone down the route of like saying oh well you know it, it, it's harry potter fan fiction it's silly mm-hmm. i didn't do that mm-hmm. what i said was so it's a harry potter fan fiction podcast but even though it's dealing with fictional characters in a fictional context it deals with really real world issues we all do mm-hmm. this is just the the framework for us getting to enjoy it mm-hmm. and play about in the world mm-hmm. but it, it it's real we're real mm-hmm. the community that makes this is real and we we have this influence on each other every day Mm -hmm. and sometimes you know you can very easily get distracted by the you know the negative things that happen in some fandoms right the fact that it's a or the fact that it's a made-up world and you're like "Um, well you know they're not real characters but the thing is you know the things they say 
and the things that we create because of those characters do matter Mm -hmm. and they are real and they do shape the way we see the world so even though it is on one level a deeply silly podcast that i Mm -hmm. love to bits and i love giggling at yeah it's also this really human space where we get to be who we are as people and that is what i'm most proud of because it's it's it gives people that platform Mm -hmm. you know it it lets us have these discussions if fanfic didn't exist we wouldn't have this podcast Mm -hmm. we wouldn't get to talk endlessly about characters that we love i know (laughs) i know this is this is I mean, gosh, we're, I mean, still all related, but we're getting into like, I feel like this is kind of a full circle of like, I'm, I'm getting hit again, why I'm so <laughs> getting into an emotional, emotional corner of this episode. But I'm just so happy that, I mean, something like Flintwood is one of the reasons like, we were meant to meet each other at a certain point in our yeah. lives that I think both of us has talked about before that we didn't know that there was something missing. Like we didn't know that there was something that there was that we just felt like there was just something that we couldn't reach or that we weren't moving upwards towards something like we thought we always were supposed to. And then this happened. And as we started doing it, we both went this was that thing. Like this was that great thing that we we thought that we were going to, you know, ha- have do and have influence and and reach people by doing something as quote unquote silly as a Harry Potter podcast, but it's like it's so meaningful right. not only to us, but I know I know that it, this touches and reaches people. Like we've seen it. We've seen people in our Discord. We that people tell us how much it means to even just hear us talking and validating everyone and what they read and ship. And that's how it should be. This is what fandom should be. Like just literally being there for one another and and supporting and understanding. And even if we don't understand, listen anyways. Like just like why I want to know why. And that's fascinating that you you know think or whatever and I just I love that we do this together like I love that we met this is absolutely amazing that we get to do this like every other week this is just amazing we're coming up on I mean March April May we'll have been doing this for a whole year Nathan and we started yeah I mean we started months ago year I just I just can't believe that this is this is a thing like it's just even if it's just bringing joy to people's days, like that's ultimately, it's like we're having fun. As long as we're having fun with for uh, with other people too, as long as you listeners are having fun with us, that's really all that that matters. That's why we're why we're here. We're doing this. We want this to be a fun, you know, expression of everything we love, and hopefully, it's everything you love too. It's just, oh, it's so much fun. I have so many feels this episode because, like you said, we started off with them. Like this was pretty much the beginning of our friendship was that yeah was this ship and the fact that we it like i discovered it and i don't even know how i thought of it and then i hadn't even read anything i don't think i even saw any art and i was just like i need to write them and then i discovered after the fact that flintwood was the ship name and i had I had read it and then and then it all just we both were just like this is the most amazing ship ever like we literally fell into it together like it was yes we did (laughs) yeah i mean i didn't have any strong feelings about the ship until 
I read until I read your fic, mm-hmm. which we will link as well. Mm-hmm. But you should know that it is explicit, uh, yeah. and the pod fic is explicit as well. So mm-hmm. if you don't want to listen to that, yeah. that's fine. But uh, that's there if you do. And like, it doesn't get explicit until a certain way mm-hmm. through the thing as well. <laughs> like both stories. So... <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because the some, stories don't some, just start yeah. with the yeah. There's some sh- um, what is it? Sha- I think some some mutual. Well, it's like <laughs> adjacent stalls, shower yeah. shenanigans, but not together. But it's, it's happening. <laughs> yeah, there there are explicit things that happen. Um, by the way, that story needs a chapter two. Just saying. I know. It no, need. literally, it's been on my list for so long like absolutely it's like of course it reached a point like it's like like anything like the final line i was like okay this is the perfect like closing line like to end that story but it obviously there's so much potential to continue that story so yeah i loved writing that i loved it so much well you can tell because it reads (laughs) like a dream and it is incredible and as i say i had no strong feelings about the ship before i read the fic and then uh, i was going through a, a phase at the time of making pod fics and really mm-hmm. enjoying that and i just that was a joy to make um i am not entirely convinced that i did good accents but i'll leave that for the listeners to judge. <laughs> I, I mean i loved it it was great i <laughs> I loved your I always I always love your Marcus like even you just did it with um the Valentine's one when we did the Hermione Marcus like just yeah. the with the drawl how slow it is and then of course just Oliver's like I mean it's just yeah I it's so much fun I need to re-listen to it now I was like it's been a while and, and of course I have to pull out the the, the bloopers yes yes <laughs> oh but, man but even the thing is, even their accents are like chalk and cheese. Mm. They're total... They sound like opposites of each other. Right. And there's something like... There's something about when you... when It's not just visualising a pairing. It's like being able to hear them together. Mm-hmm. And I hear them... I hear those voices when I see them together. Mm-hmm. And I, I see it working. You know, the, the way... Um, the way Molly and Arthur, I hear them together. You know that works really well mm-hmm. because when, when you know when Molly gets angry and she gets loud, and it's complemented by this very cool, calm, collected Arthur who's a, you know a little bit more reluctant to speak mm-hmm. and just delicate, and and that complements them the, each other so well. Mm-hmm. And I, it's it's just another part of what makes their um, their pairing so perfect for me mm-hmm. is that I can, if I can hear it well, I can visualize it better. There's another element to it. It's like, you know, when you when you have a burger, you need loads of texture, so you'll you'll put your lettuce and tomato mm-hmm. in there to make it extra crunchy. And I just feel like there's so much um, the the potential for texture in this pairing is so great. As you said from the get-go in this mm-hmm. episode, flint and wood make fire, mm-hmm. and this pairing is fire. fire. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's like I am, uh, like I'm unswayable. This is this is my opinion, yeah. and it will be my opinion until my dying day. <laughs> I will absolutely, I will absolutely defend and protect this shit. Yes, with every ounce of my being. Same, because it is. 
it's too good. It's it's too pure. Uh, and I love them. I love them both as individual characters, but I especially love... It's that one plus one equals three philosophy mm-hmm. of, we're, as, of we're, you know, greater than the sum of our parts. They, they have that. Mm-hmm. And other ships have that too, but they have that in spades. Yeah. I just... Oh my gosh, and here we are. It's almost... <laughs> We knew that this was going to be a long episode. We knew that this was going to be a long one. To be to be <laughs> fair, I did go off on quite a few long, okay. rambly tangents you know, about clubs and <laughs> Peter Pettigrew's hand. <laughs> <laughs> that did happen at some point, which I still need artwork for. <laughs> you know, I make I make impassioned pleas to our beautiful listeners, um, and. Nobody sends me fic or artwork. When and that's this so- is the moment to get your get your violins out. <laughs> <laughs> no one, no one sends me anything, and it's really sad. But like, this is this is it, listener. This is the last. This is the last plea I'm gonna make to you <laughs> ever. Because no one takes me up on these wonderful offers. <laughs> Until but... next week, this is my last. <laughs> this is my last. Oh my gosh! This is the you know this is the, this is my dramatic moment where yeah. I swirl my cloak around yes. myself. Oh, this is this is the the last one, the final request. Um, oh is, Please, if any of you could send me artwork of what you think Peter Pettigrew's hand gets up to <laughs> in the middle of the in the middle of the night as it's reaching for snacks in the fridge. Or even a fic about it. Like what a little short yeah. little drabble about point of view Peter Pettigrew's hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. That could be good. That could be bad. That could be, you know, whatever. Does it's he which, up to you. Which hand is it? Is it his it's not his is it his dominant hand? Or is it not? Wait, does that does that matter? Well, I was just thinking, if like, I... what does he wank with it? <laughs> <laughs> or does he use it now because it's a better hand? Like, it's like you, it doesn't get tired. There's no cramping. Like, it just. <laughs> well, yeah. Wait, is it motorized? Can he have like speeds? <laughs> does it vibrate? <laughs> <laughs> have like a have like a like a set like tighten slowly over a certain length. Of- <laughs> Like he just pre-programs it. Like, oh. <laughs> oh God. this is where this is where we ended up. This is, this is what happened. Wow. Well, well, look, look. I, I don't. I'm not sorry. Mm-mm. I, I feel like there are worse places we could have ended up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, a, I think it's a very strong visual to go out on. I hope. I hope our listeners fall asleep tonight <laughs> with the gently coaxing image oh of God. Peter Pettigrew's free hand <laughs> doing whatever whatever they want it to, whether it's something whatever mm-hmm. it as whether it's something as innocuous as opening a bag of Doritos <laughs> or re you know or reaching for a can of beer in the fridge or something like that. Finger it doesn't painting. necessarily. What, yeah. if, what if the what if the literal hand is a natural artist? Like it just it's just it's just in the hand. It's like I need to create and just does all these things. Yeah, and you know it's a it's created by Voldemort, so we have to think that it has quite a like even though it's used for dark purposes, mm-hmm. it has to have quite a 
I imagine that the hand in the finger painting sense has quite a childlike imagination. So it's busily painting like unicorns yeah. and expressing expressing all the things that it can't get to do mm-hmm. in its day-to-day, you know, working for evil life. That's that's the that's the hand living the dream. <laughs> So needless to say, we we absolutely ship this ship. Like <laughs> this, there's no there's no needing to be like, well, did we convince ourselves? No, we came into this like one hundred per like hundred million percent on board with these two. Oh, we man. were we were. If you listen very carefully, you can hear the sound of Quidditch muscles banging together <laughs> uh, in salute and appreciation of this glorious ship. Which will always be, which will always oil the broomstick mm-hmm. of the imagination. And and as much as I love post Hogwarts things, like, of course, there's nothing better than like locker room shenanigans. You know what I mean? Or like mm-hmm. meeting in the like the broom cupboard or like, you know, like all those, <laughs> all those things. There's a, uh, yeah, I'm trying to, I don't know. I definitely read more after Hogwarts than I've read probably in school. Like the one that I wrote uh, stands out to me as in school. The body swap one was in school. Um, if anyone has any other favorites that were in school ones, like please, you know, I think I've I'm I get I'm pretty sure I've pretty sure I've read everything, but I need to <laughs> I need to go back and there could be oh, there's always more, you know, it's just there's always yeah. more. And people will write more. Maybe someone listening to this will mm-hmm. think, oh, I've just come up with a really great idea for the two of them mm-hmm. and write something new. And, you know, if we helped create that, mm-hmm. then I am really, I'm, I'm just, well, I'm really glad that we do this anyway. Yeah. But the thought that we could be inspiring people to write new stuff mm-hmm. or create new stuff in some way is absolutely why I keep coming back and doing these episodes mm-hmm. um, because it is like it's the community that keeps on giving. Yeah. Who would like the, the first book came out in 1997, mm-hmm. I want to say. Mm-hmm. And who would have thought that something that started when I was now I would have been I think I was nine years eight or nine eight or nine Mm -hmm. yeah something started when I was that young could still be so alive and vibrant Mm -hmm. so many years on I mean I know a lot of passionate fandoms but I don't know very many that keep going and keep creating so long after their original material has uh, um, been a thing yeah yeah and you know and what other fandom could possibly ask the question what does peter pettigrew's free hand do at night (laughs) (laughs) oh man wow wow so well on the on the the realm of writing those two once again as a reminder the would you rather challenge is going on for any sort of creation so definitely check that out on tumblr um two of my really good friends are hosting that so much fun i'm I'm really excited about the content that's already been submitted. So if you want to do some fun things with these two or even Oliver in any way, shape or form, show us that Oliver can be with anyone because (laughs) there's always that too. But do you know what would be really funny? An an Oliver slash Cormac. Mm, Actually, I think I've read where like Cormac was like on a team with Oliver like later on. But yeah, that would be, I mean, hey, you know, any sort of the combination of like, the Quidditch peeps. 
and whatnot. Yeah. But because yeah. they definitely, at the very least, people would run into Cormac in the broom sheds. Yeah. Because you know? what year is what year is he? When is Cormac? So well, like we only we uh, only discover him. What is it? Is it the fifth book? So that that's in book six. Uh, I. Th- no, it's book know, six. Book six is when Cormac shows up because he comes to rival Ron because Ron made the team the year before. But I don't think he right. had opposition. But I have no idea. The, the slug, the slug club stuff is what slug I. Slug meant- club is sixth. Yeah. So I don't know what year he is or why he, if he's so good, like why he didn't do it before. I don't know. I don't know. Cormac just. Well, I- and it, plot characters device. just appear out plot of nowhere. Look, we know chari- <laughs> we know characters appear out of nowhere because Luna Lovegood just appears in the fifth book. Right. And it's like, oh, she's been there all along. But Harry- I know. Jenny's like, oh yeah, that's that's Looney. Like it's just okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, so who knows? But yes, show us that Oliver can be anybody's, and and literally mm-hmm. prove us. Well, don't prove us wrong because no. they're still meant to be together, and you'll never dissuade me. But just <laughs> add to add to my uh, already Extensive. overflowing cup of of knowledge yes. where this is concerned. Yes. Yeah, yes. and and like if you're passionate about any of the characters mentioned in this episode, mm-hmm. if you're if you're also passionate about Peter Pettigrew's hand, <laughs> definitely definitely get in touch <laughs> with me. At care of magical shippers at gmail.com. I need to know. I need to know. Mm-hmm. I, I, there, are, there are very many ways that I can be sated in this world, but just knowing that somebody else is lying awake at night thinking of these burning questions <laughs> will, will, be, will be soothing to my soul. Yeah. Uh, so if, thank you in advance for that. Even if it's just us, we are the ones. Staying up at night thinking these burning questions. Well, clearly, I mean, look, look what we make a podcast about. Yeah. We've got the whole wide world to talk about, and we could be talking about anything, mm-hmm. but we choose to talk about Harry Potter fan fiction because something about it deeply speaks to us. Yes, and uh, and you know, Quidditch muscles aside, as we've said, mm-hmm. uh, it is a, it's something that is that forms a very an important part of who we are mm-hmm. as people. And yeah, uh, I'm sure it's the same with you, listener, mm-hmm. particularly. Yes, I'm talking about you in particular now. <laughs> who doesn't think I'm addressing them specifically? Imagine I'm imagine I'm turning to camera now yeah. and I'm looking directly at you <laughs> and saying, "Yes, you. Please get in touch with me and tell me why you specifically love this universe mm-hmm. as much as we do." Yes. And thanks. Also get in touch with us on Telegram because we love voice notes Mm -hmm. and I don't bite. Come speak to me on there. Mm -hmm. I promise I'm not evil in real life. Or at least I don't think I'm... I hope I'm not evil. (laughs) I don't don't think I'm evil. Come talk to me. I I think I'm nice. Have a a conversation. It'll be fun. Yeah. And uh, so obviously it's been... I mean, it's been determined. So then our next episode will definitely be us talking about the ship the ship again in the fic that 
I had brought up, yeah. right, you know, briefly or whatever in depth. So that is the plan. We will, you you know, we'll we'll plan on that. So I'm really excited to keep but, talking you know, about these this guys. Is the, <laughs> this is the this is the moment though that we go uh, insert next week's shenanigans right? here right? because invariably we end up chopping and changing the plan, and it never is what we say it will be. <laughs> and this is the reason at the end of the episode. Now I don't know if you've noticed, right. listener, but we've intro- we've introduced a segment at the very end that says what we're doing next week mm-hmm. if you're interested because we we've decided to do it that way because we change our minds what happens is we're very uh, efficient we plan ahead <laughs> we have a we have a spreadsheet <laughs> we do have we have our in theory we have our ducks in a row with this mm-hmm. um and then what happens is we get close to recording day and we're like yeah you know that thing that we planned that we were going to do let's not do that yeah and do something else instead yeah. <laughs> so uh so stick around just to be doubly sure that that is what we're doing next yes. week but i would love to talk more about these beautiful characters mm-hmm. because i i knew i wasn't going to be able to contain my feelings no. for just one episode no and you know this is we're two hours and counting <laughs> obviously i was right <laughs> so Oh man, and I can't I can't break this one up. This is just like flows together. I'm definitely gonna have to start editing way way early so I can get yeah. this thing done. But because it's this needs to all be sent in one. There's just too much connected that we you know it would be silly. To yeah, we up, can't so. possibly split this up. Yes, it would be like splitting them up, which we yeah, never want to no, do. No, we don't want to do. So, well, th- thank you for sticking around with us for two hours or whatever length that we yeah. end up reaching at this point a really long episode so and then we look forward to whatever the heck we do hopefully the fic but we don't know see what we say at the end of it and uh yeah can't wait till the the next time we get to ship ah it'll be yeah i love this i love doing this i love doing this (laughs) also also just before we go very quickly on the subject of loving doing this if you have ideas about anything that we could do to celebrate our one year anniversary yes and you want to get in touch with those ideas Mm -hmm. do email us with that as well because we want to do something fun for you and we maybe want to do something a little bit different uh if you have any suggestions or ways that we could make that fun for you please do reach out to either one of us Mm -hmm. and we will get our party hats on yes because our one year anniversary is coming up in may we're very excited about it i can't believe we've been doing this a year i i cannot believe like same at the time of at the time of recording we're coming up on what episode 25 yeah this is a yeah this is that that's unreal yeah i it's it's crazy it's absolutely it's wonderful yeah because i think the this will be 26 i think yeah this will be the 26th episode wow (sighs) yeah and what an, and what an episode it was! Listen, thank you, listener, for putting up with my inane, distractive ramblings about mm. Peter Pettigrew's hand and uh, and the weird gobstones club shenanigans. <laughs> anyway, belly dancing club. <laughs> yeah, of which Slughorn is treasurer. Yes, absolutely. So yeah. awesome. Well. Thank you for listening as always. We love you guys. Hope you had fun and we will see you next time. Bye. <laughs> oh god, always with the bye.
So now that you've finished enjoying that episode, I bet you're wondering what we're going to be talking about next time. Will it be a ship? Could it be a trope? What about a character-centric episode? Editing Megs, put the listeners out of their misery. Next time, we'll be focusing on... We'll be discussing the fic Nothing Left to Lose by Immortal Banner. So come back to enjoy that at your earliest possible convenience. But, you know, preferably sooner rather than later. Because we do make it so you listen to it. And we hope you enjoy it. Remember your Gunkle Nathan's advice. Be kind to each other, manage your mischief, and we'll catch you in the next one soon.